it's Steve and Dave again. We are Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. No doubt we all want to catch more fish. I want to, and Dave needs to. Ooh, that hurts. But we're all about fly fishing and our love for the outdoors. So let's get after it. Wow, how about that guitar riff on our new intro music? Dave, is that you? <laughs> Ooh, I wish it were. Man, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. You know, that's pretty energetic music for uh, two older guys with low T. Well, I know. Now that we're getting older, we have to, yeah, we have to up the energy level on the music yeah, and hopefully we... on the podcast. But hey, here we go again. We're, we're back to podcasting after an extended break to catch up on life. And travel the world. Well, catch up on life. Yeah, no traveling of no, the world. No, no traveling of the world. So, well, welcome back, Dave. Well, what have you been up to over the last year and a half, Mr. Mr. Oh, Matthewson? Man. man, let's see. Uh, just just doing life. I uh, was able to get in some fly fishing. Uh, yeah, working on a PhD dissertation, and uh, that's just about done. So, yeah, it's good to be back. How about you? Same thing. Not a lot of travel. Did do some fishing. Uh, we're going to talk about that today, but uh, I also started a new business. We launched it last September, and and so I really had time during the pandemic to kind of bake it, and it takes longer than you think, and making money takes longer than you think, and we're not quite there yet, but yeah. uh, that's how I spent uh, the last year and a half, almost two years. Wow, that's great. So, and welcome back to you, our listeners. We've missed you, and we're excited about resuming the podcast. So, Dave, what's the plan as we move forward Several years, well, when we started doing the podcast, uh, we did a podcast every week, and we never missed one for four and a half yeah, years. Yeah, that was amazing. We also did a, an article every week, too, yep. so that was intense, and and we did develop a nice little subscriber base mm -hmm. as a result of that, but I think at the end, when we decided to stop, it was one part COVID, one part just exhaustion, and also all the work we had to do on other things we wanted to, to take on. So... Our plan now is to release four or five episodes per season. So there'll be a winter season, spring season, summer season, obviously a fall season. So this arguably should be probably spring, but this is our winter season. And so today's topic is one fine day on the East Gallatin, which we had last fall. Yeah, last uh, time we fished together in mid-October, man, we had one of our best falls ever in Montana. I mean, it, it was outstanding, and we're going to talk about that today. One fine day on the East Gallatin River, north of Bozeman, Montana. Uh, our goal is to get you excited about your next fly fishing trip, and perhaps there's an idea or two that will be helpful the next time you're on the river. So here we go. How did that day start, Dave? We started that day at the Western Cafe in Bozeman. Like all good days start with a meal, right? right? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> There's this place on the east side of Bozeman along, I guess, is it Main Street yep. or the Main mm -hmm. Drag, whatever right on they Main call Street. it. Yeah, it's yep. on the east side of Bozeman. It's called the Western Cafe, and it's also noted as an American diner. So it has these knotty pine walls. It's really a cramped space yep. not a lot of room tables are kind of cramped together they have like a bar area and it's not like they're serving alcohol which i'm sure they could but it's 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 kind of where all the the old timers the people that come in there every day yep. sit 
And so you have this, you know, these stools where these men, mostly men, there's some women in there obviously as well, but mostly men that are sitting on this stool. So it, it's full of this Western art. Yeah. I think there's some Russell. Yeah, some Charlie some, Russell yeah, prints. Some, yep. yep mm -hmm. Some Russell prints in there. A lot of kitschy stuff, you know, kind of, uh, you know, horseshoe uh, horseshoes and 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 hooks made out of horseshoes and that sort of thing. Uh, the food is typical of small town cafe breakfast. It was yeah. good food, yeah. just nothing memorable. Right. Yeah. It, it really is the kind of the the experience mm -hmm. of of being at the Western uh, Cafe. Now, was that live? Was that going when you were there? That's that's like a yeah. historical. Cafe. Oh yeah, yeah, it was. And I, you know, I had breakfast there a few times. Thing is, we were about, you know, we were about twenty miles away from yeah from that cafe where when we lived, lived in, right when we lived in the north valley so when i met people for breakfast it was usually somewhere in belgrade or manhattan so i i didn't get there that often but a couple times yeah, yeah. it's a great little place yeah. if you're out there stop at the western cafe you yep. can mark it as kind of a it's a quasi-historic establishment yeah yeah very cool place well then when we left there we drove to a local fly shop and met a friend who has a lot of connections and got us on a stretch of private land on the East Gallatin River. It's in the Dry Creek area of the northern part of the Gallatin Valley, so about 20 miles northwest of Bozeman. Hey, we, you know, we always try to be, uh, you know, open with information, but this is just one of those uh, rivers where it's just going to be hard to get access to. I mean, Montana has the streamside access law. I suppose technically you could... Uh, you could jump onto the river at, at a bridge, and, and a lot of guys do that. I've done that before in the East Gallatin, and you can go a ways, but it's it's really, it's not easy going. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that river. So, hey, we, we don't have, we can't, you know, if you email us and ask, hey, how can we get in this stretch? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, this is a something a friend got us on, so we'll, we'll just say that up front. Well, I, but I do think uh, there are, uh, you can access the East Gallatin on several bridges. Yeah, right. And people mm -hmm. do fish it, right? Oh, but yeah, yeah. It's just where we fished, it's it's really inside a large piece of private property. And so for you to get there, you'd have to hike a couple miles, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a couple miles off the road. But then you think about the way that river bends and twists. I mean, it's probably... It could be twice that long yeah. if, if you were to yeah, yeah, stretch yeah. the whole river out. But, man, is, is it ever a charming place to fish? Wouldn't you agree, Dave? It's really an amazing fishery, especially because it's it, the, the creek, you, you almost can't see it because it sits below this flat land and flat plain. Yeah. And, and once you get on it, it's really, it's, the, the river is really cut into, this creek is really cut into, uh, into, the, into the landscape. Yeah, I think you said the whole notion of the big sky, man. You got that vast flat land and the mountains rising up. The word or the phrase big sky, you realize where that came from. Because when you're sitting uh, in your truck or fly fishing there, you, it's just this vast sky. And in the, di you know, the bridgers are right. You can all, you see the bridgers are the closest mountains right. to you. But mm -hmm. you can also see um, the Spanish peaks. Can you see the crazies from there? Um, I no, don't think so. no, you can't. You can see the the Absorki Beartooth through there through that one gap between the Bridgers and the the Gallatin Range. But yeah, you can see the tobacco roots, uh, Spanish Peaks. Yeah, it's uh, it really is amazing. You're just in this uh, yeah this huge valley. It's almost really mount. You're it's 360. Yeah, mountains oh, are in 360. It, it yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah. Really is. 
And man, that river, I mean, you, you said it, it, it winds around slowly, just one bend after another. And there's really only an occasional riffle, isn't there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like you can, you have to actually fish a lot of water to, to get good fishing. And so you have to identify mm -hmm. where the runs are and, and, and only fish those runs. Because if you're trying to fish every part of that river, like if you're going for a mile and trying to just fish that mile, uh, there might be only a three or four good runs in that mile. It's probably yeah. not that few, but it, it's a it's just a harder river to fish in that sense. It is, and you know, there's some places where uh, it's immediately three feet deep at the bank. Not not the whole thing, but uh, man, some of those uh, some of those runs, and you know, it's like you say, it winds around. Do, do you remember Dave at Christmas time? Did your family ever? Did you ever get that ribbon candy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, I've, I've often thought that if you take an aerial view of that river, it would look like a piece of ribbon candy. Because I mean, sometimes, you know, we'd be, man, these these bends, the way they come around, they're almost touching each other, and and you're, you know, you're hundred yards away, but. But what separates you is about 400 yards of river. Yeah, in that sense, it is a it is a strange river. It's it's fed by a lot of spring creeks, even there on the property we fished. And I don't know about you, but it, it feels in some ways like a giant spring creek. Yeah, that's it? interesting. That, I've yeah. never thought of it like that, but you're right. It yeah. really does. You know, the other thing that's cool about it, there's a lot of history there. Um, some of a personal history. I, I looked up, I could see the house that we built on the north end of the Gallatin Valley. And I, I used to fish the East Gallatin. I fished at a ranch over. Uh, the, the next ranch to the, kind of to the west is where I used to fish. But uh, I could see my place. And what I thought was really cool, in fact, I didn't even say anything that day to you about this, but man, we would have walked right where Captain William Clark and, and Sacagawea would have walked. I mean, I've, I've read their journals and they came, you know, when they came back from the coast uh, at, the th at Three Forks, the Three Forks of Missouri, uh, they split. Um, you know, Meriwether Lewis went uh, back the way they came, so up the Missouri and back, you know, to Great Falls and, and that way. Uh, but Clark and, and uh, Sacagawea, or Sacagawea, however you want to say it, uh, they they wanted to follow, go over to the Yellowstone and follow the Yellowstone River, and, and so they did. And and they walked right in that North Valley uh, area. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I, I know a couple places where they camped just from the journals that are further east of that, but I always marveled that somewhere, maybe on the other side of that river that's that's where they would have walked wow. so and then um man one of uh, one of the books that we've uh, admired just from a literary standpoint was written by uh, a western writer named ivan doig uh, it's called this house of sky and man the opening paragraphs in that are just stunning uh, prose but uh, we were fishing less than a mile from where ivan's uncle jim uh, died in a horse accident and he talks about it in this house of sky so man the, the setting's amazing it, it's beautiful it's historical and uh and hey the the f fishing's not too bad either we'll get to that in a minute um what were the weather conditions that, like that day dave it was a beautiful october day it was in the high 40s low 50s i think it may have gotten into the mid 50s 
There were some clouds, but later in the day, the clouds, clouds were gone. Yeah, and we you're right. We actually could have used more yeah. clouds. I was thinking, man, uh, we probably would have had more risers, uh, but, yeah. but it, it was just a beautiful day. Yep. This year, we fished later in the fall, and we've made that decision uh, with the last two years. Prior to that, we would fish like the second or third weekend of September. This one was like the third uh actually the third full week yeah. so mm-hmm. i think this was like the 22nd or 23rd of october so at that point it, the weather is risky but and they had had some snow about a week earlier and and so we just wondered what kind of weather we would have but yeah. it was really a gorgeous day it was just perfect for fly fishing yeah it really was and i suppose we should talk about the fishing i mean it was it was good we what we did uh, this is I thought this was a great approach. Our, our friend who's fished it for years said, what we need to do is to swing these uh, Blue Wing Olive emergers, BWO emergers. And man, we ca- every trout I caught was towards the end of the swing. Um, and yeah, you drift it down through the, the current and nothing. But as soon as that thing started to swing, uh, well, it wasn't right when it started to swing. It was like after it would, it kind of towards the end of the swing, Man, it would just get hammered, and I, I think I caught about eight total. Uh, it seems like the fishing shut off after what an hour and a half or yeah. so because yeah, the cloud cover wasn't there. But uh, man, I I did the first run I fished, I caught six, and they were all rainbows. Uh, one was, one was eighteen to nineteen inches and as fat as a football. And yeah, if I remember, we we used what was called a bat wing emerger, kind of a size eighteen and. Uh, some of those had bead heads, didn't they? They did. Some did. Yeah, some didn't. Some didn't. Uh, so I, you, and and our and our friend uh, took off, and I fished by myself for the day, which was great because uh, I think you went upstream and I went downstream. Yeah. And about forty-five minutes in, your friend came over to find me just to see how I was doing, and I was kneeling by this run, and I was just still trying things out, and I. I wasn't listening to him very well. And he said, no, Dave, you know, if you want to put a, a dry on, that's fine. But, you know, you got to drop this emerger. And so I, up to that point, I'd maybe had one hit, two hits, two strikes. Yeah. And then what we did was, in a sense, you're facing, let's say if the stream is, you know, perpendicular to you, mm-hmm. you, you would cast the fly. He said, cast it like quartering down from you. So in a sense... Um, it's kind of it's kind of was a different cast. Yeah. Right? Usually you're thinking about throwing upstream, throwing up and so you're actually throwing drift. downstream yeah. a quarter mm-hmm. away from you, and letting out some line so that the the line can actually drift, and then you just let that thing swing. Yeah. And at the end of the swing, you start to lift the tip of your rod up, and I almost all of my my fish came right. You're right, right at the very very end. <laughs> yeah. It's counterintuitive, right? Because you're thinking, is that really a dead drift? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess the fish saw it coming up out of the water column as a rising, yeah, you know, as I a think, rising emerger, and I think so, so they nailed it. And you know that technique may not work everywhere, but and and our friend said that, but I realized, I mean, I've I've done that a lot with streamers, but I haven't done it as much with, uh, you know, with with emergers, certainly not with nymphs, but that's. Man, that was the ticket, wasn't it? I wondered if it would help in the work in the drift. Yeah, right? oh, I, I think it's something worth uh, considering. And man, Dave, those were healthy rainbows, oh, weren't man. they? They were fighters. 
originally all the uh, ostensibly all the rainbows in that were introduced into southwest montana were from the same hatchery in california many many years ago and our friend wonders though if the rainbows in the east gallatin are from a different strain they really do fight more like steelhead yeah. and the way you catch them is like steelhead right yeah yeah uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're uh yeah, just the way you drift the fly and, and you know, and, and then raise it up. They just always hit it right at the end of the drift, the swing. So anyway, I, uh, it, they, it, was, it was, in terms of fighting, I, I caught fish that were twice that size on this trip. Like, for example, some of those fish we caught near the Yellowstone uh, earlier, uh, a couple days earlier. Yeah. They didn't fight as hard as these fish. No, no, not at all. It was just, a, they were brown trout, obviously, but... Um, anyway, I was just, a, I was, it was just such a great fish to catch. It was. And I think it was fun too, because we were fishing a little bit lighter rods. We're going to talk about that in a future podcast, but yeah, just so you know, I mean, I was, I was using an eight and a half foot, uh, four weight, uh, my Orvis recon. What did you, you used your new rod, didn't you, Dave? I did. I purchased uh, a Sage dart seven and a half, three weight. And I tell you what, trying to bring in those fish on that oh, seven man. and a half three weight, it was so much fun. And I'll talk about that in a in a in one of our following uh, yeah. episodes. But uh, it was just a fun day all the way around. It was, and things kind of died down. So you know, after we we ate lunch out there on the the river, we we tried a small spring creek on that same property that runs into the East Gallatin, and and it was a fun little uh, place, but. I got skunked. I, I had some strikes on woolly buggers, but man, the water was clear and low. There, there was nothing happening as far as uh, um, you know, as far as risers go. So, yeah, I, it just it was just nothing. It's really tough, I think, to catch fish in a spring creek and all the the creeks that we fish in the driftless here in south not here, but we're in Chicago. But in when we fish in Southwest Wisconsin and Southeast Minnesota. When we fish those streams, they're all spring creeks, and it's really hard to catch fish when nothing is rising, nothing is moving, and really, even nymphing is tough. I, it just sometimes it's only a woolly booger or some yeah. other type of yep. streamer that will mm-hmm. get any hits, and you're fishing hard for every yeah. strike that you get. Yeah, you really are. Well, there's a lot of things you can't control when it comes to the fishing, but uh, you know you can control the beginning and the end of the day, which uh, involves a meal. So, <laughs> how did we how did we end our day? Dave? Well, with no control. Yeah, right? that's right. You can't no control. You can yes. you can control the eating, but not really. So yeah. afterwards, we piled into uh, Bozeman and 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 ate at Ted's Montana Grill. So. What, yeah. Who's the owner of that? Yeah, or? Ted Turner. Yeah, yep. Ted Turner. Yeah, Ted Turner. Yeah, and he, you know, it's a chain. He's franchised it, but when, but when he uh, spent a lot of time in, you know, in his property just south of southwest of Bozeman, he, he, he came in there. Remember, one of the waiters said that you know he was always very friendly. They they kind of knew how to how to have his table prepared and uh, kind of what he ordered. But yeah, it's 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 good food. It's. Uh, um, yeah, kind of in an iconic uh, Bozeman hotel in, in the Baxter. And, uh, yeah, that was fun. It yeah, was good. Good food. I don't remember what I had. Do you, do you no, remember what I, you had? No, I don't either. I don't we remember what I We actually ate really had. well on this yes, trip. Yes, we did. Spent a little bit 
too much money on food. We should have spent more money on fishing. Quiet, quiet, Dave. Let's stop. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I guess what we're saying is there are a lot of ingredients to a fine day on the river. Uh, Friends, fish, food, setting, solitude. And uh, when these come together, you have one fine day. So we hope that you will be able to get out and uh, enjoy that. Uh, Weather should be kind of getting prime right uh, right now to get out there and and, uh, begin the season. All right, it's time for a new feature on our podcast. Uh, If you're a longtime listener, uh, you will remember us sharing great stuff from our listeners. And we might bring that back in the future, we'll see. But uh, since you haven't heard from us in a while, we haven't heard from you. So today we introduce, and I don't know if we need a drum roll here. There we go. All right. Great Hacks from Our Book. Now, if you're not familiar with it, we co-authored a little book called The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. Uh, You can get it on Amazon.com, and we think it turned out great. And we still can't figure out why we didn't get nominated for a Pulitzer, right? It was was such an oversight by by that committee. I know it. I know it's just as bad as a, a river runs through it, not getting uh, nominated. Uh, well, it was nominated, pools. but yeah, not getting true. selected. Yeah. Yeah, that's another story, isn't it? For another time. All right. So today's hack from our book is five disciplines to fly fish more. Uh, it may seem counterintuitive, uh, or a counterintuitive concept that fly fishing needs to be a priority, but. Man, as we both found, life gets more complex, and what we found is you you have to discipline yourself to get out on the river. So uh, here are some of uh, the the tips. What's the first one, Dave? The first one is to limit your your hobbies, and I, I know that when you're younger and maybe, I don't know, you can do everything and do all of them well. I have not been able to do that. I've got four kids. I got I still have a 13-year-old at home and uh, one in college and two out with jobs, real jobs, which is great. But uh, so I gave up golf. Not that I was a great golfer. I was a complete horrible golfer, but I decided I wasn't going to golf. There are sacrifices with that. And one of them for me, since I own a strategic marketing consultancy, is you know golf is a great way to connect with people. But I've made my decision that I've decided not to do it and I have to you know, have a workaround, a workaround golf. Just recently, somebody asked me, and I thought, yeah, I could go out with you, but I don't even have clubs anymore. Yeah. So I think yeah. limiting your your hobbies. If you want to fly fish more, you have to you have to make some priorities. Man, you do. When I lived there in the Gallatin Valley, I I look back and sometimes I think, man, why didn't I ski more? You know, either cross country or downhill skiing. Well, some of it was money, but a lot of it was time and. You know, I, I love fly fishing. I was like, I, I can only do so many things. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, number two is put it on your calendar. And I know that sounds simple enough, but, uh, man, once the time is budgeted, it's, it's harder to kick the can down the road. And I, there were times, Dave, where I would, you know, somebody would call, hey, can we, you know, I was pastor there. Can we get together? And I would say, hey, I've, you know, I've got, an, I've got another commitment. I mean, if it was an emergency, yeah, I'll, I'll drop it. But I just find if you, if you don't put it on your calendar, um, yeah, it's just harder for it to happen. Well, this was true for me the other day. So it's winter when we're doing this podcast. It's February. And, and I, I saw that it would be a 40-degree day 
uh, in Wisconsin, and so I, I reached out to you, and you said, I think I can go, but then last minute you yeah. couldn't. And there was part of me that thought, well, if Steve can't go, I'm not going to go. And I thought, no, I'm going to go. I asked someone else at the very end, and he couldn't go. So I went by myself, and it was just a good example for me that, hey, get it on the calendar, and you just do it, even if you're doing it alone. Get out there yeah. and fly fish. Well, that's a good transition to number three, which we've said is probably harder than it sounds, and uh, your story just bore that out. Number three is find a fly fishing buddy. Yeah, yeah. Who said? Oh man, sorry, Dave, I can't go. <laughs> make make friends. Yeah, that's now, right. Now this is hard to do if you don't have any friends, yes. or you don't have any friends uh, who fly fish. So, um, I will say this: that I have been working on my kids. I have two sons that want to fly fish now. It's amazing. My oldest, Christian, who's 26, lives in Minnesota. I got him a new set of fishing waders for his uh, 26th birthday. Oh, sweet. And I gave away one of my fly rods to, uh, to Corey and the other one to my, my nephew. So, so what I have done is, is trying to rope younger people into it. But I, I do think that figuring out a way to get and find another fly fishing buddy is just a way to, to basically get more time out on the river. Yeah, very good. Okay, number four, and these last two have to do with time. Number four, make the most of small windows of time. And sometimes less is all you have, so take the small amount of time and get out on the river. And of course, that works uh, only if you live within an hour of a river, but go with your gut, jump in the truck, even if you have a couple hours. Man, that's that's how I fished the East Gallatin. When I, when I lived there, I never spent a day on it. It was... Uh, um, you know, man, it's it's starting to spit a little snow or it's raining. And, you know, I had this little red Toyota f pickup, little four-wheel drive, and I'd, I'd, I'd drive down to the, the ranch where I knew the owners, and uh, I'd get out there for a couple of hours. So, uh, yeah, make the most of small windows of time. I, I would also add to that that when uh, sometimes I'll take a full day, which is what I did the other day, that's not a small chunk of time, but it's a chunk of time that's not, a full trip yeah and so i just get up really early sometimes 4 30 and and jump in the truck and then you and i go up to the wisconsin fish drive for four hours fish for four hours and then drive back home for four hours so in a sense that's making the most of, of a small chunk yeah, of time as well it really is so our final one is is basically kind of the opposite of that which is really set aside chunks of time and i would just advise that it should never be associated with family vacations uh, simply because I've never been able to, in good conscience, take my wife and kids to Colorado or to Montana and then, and then leave them sitting in the hotel while I fly fish. Or even if one of them wants to go, not all of them want to go. So I do think you have to budget chunks of time. Yeah. Again, this gets back to priorities. Yep. And as you get older and as you find less time, in a sense, you're, you're, there's less time because there's you think now about gosh how long can I you know how, how far back can I hike and all these other things that you're wrestling with so I do think budgeting chunks of time is how you learn waters yeah it's yeah. you know it's you know spending a couple days on the same stretch of river uh, and seeing it fish differently and there's all this learning that happens so I would just say if you want to fly fish more really set aside chunks of time for us when we go to Montana, we often will leave on a Monday morning and come back on a Saturday morning. And that's a chunk of time. So, uh, but it's just, it's just so helpful to really get in a lot of fly fishing. Mm -hmm. 
Well, hey, that was fun, Dave. Uh, it's good to be back. Do, do we need to play the intro music to, to kind of get the energy level I think up there again? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll get on my guitar here and uh, yeah. I'll play the rest of this. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, that's all for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing.